This episode of Pick Up the Six podcast is sponsored by Mudgear. Mudgear serves the Unleash. They have created a new brand of tough, strong, functional performance gear. This stuff is built to endure and push you along the way because like you, Mudgear is made tougher. From their custom-created Mudgear race jersey to their trail socks, it's all built for the outdoor athlete. You've heard me talk about Mudgear before, and yes, I was on another ruck this morning rocking that Mudgear tack hat, as I always do, and I had on those line Mudgear performance shorts. And our guest today is the founder of F3, and our friends at Mudgear are the official outfitter, outfitter of all F3 gear. Their race shirts, Those bad boys are built in the USA, so you can get sweaty, you can get dirty. It's all good, whether it's a road race or an obstacle adventure, Mud Gear can help you gear up for extreme performance. We have an exclusive for all Pick Up the Six listeners. Go to mudgear.com slash P-U-T-6. That's P-U-T and the number six, mudgear.com slash P-U-T-6. And get this, we're going to save you 15% just like that. 15% off your order if you shop at mudgear.com slash P-U-T-6. And let's get after it. My guest today is Dave Redding, former Green Beret and now a lawyer in Charlotte, North Carolina. He's also the co-founder of an organization called F3, whose mission through fitness, fellowship, and faith is to invigorate male community leadership. So what does that mean? And why do Dave and his buddies think it's needed now more than ever? I love this guy. I'm an F3 man myself. I know him as Dread, and I'm pumped for you to hear our conversation. Dave Redding, again, better known as Dread in the F3 community. Welcome to Pick Up the Six podcast. Well, my friend, I could not be happier to be with you. this is not the inaugural uh, putt six, is it? Is that no, it's not. We've got a few under our belt, and you know the history of this podcast having evolved about three years ago when we started this thing as an F3 podcast to highlight these great high-impact men among us in these six-minute versions. And as that's evolved and as, as time has gone on, I felt this larger call to expand this thing out and share more incredible stories of folks picking up the six. So you've, you've dabbled in these waters before. Sure, I've been on a lot of podcasts to talk about F3, and uh, it's funny, I I don't remember exactly when I did it, but I noticed your initial pick up the six, the six-minuter, uh, that you started doing, I think that was the first thing you did, mm-hmm. and uh, somebody probably forwarded it to me and said, hey, do you know who this is? And I'm listening to it, and you had the simplest format, you just would, I think you started locally where you, your workouts are, and you were going there, and you Right after workout, just grab a guy, grab a, grab your cell phone and say, hey, man, uh, who's out there today? Just, you know, what'd you do? Grab the yeah, cue. getting to know these guys a little yeah, bit. You know, and it was just six minutes. I, was, I just got addicted to listen to them. And then you kind of branched out from there. And then one day, uh, I think you must have been here in Charlotte on business because you're from Raleigh-ish area. And I got a call from uh, Dark Helmet, who was uh, in charge of culture for F3. Frank Schwartz and he said, "Man, you know that dude who's always on the doing that pickup the sixties in town. He wants to get a cup of coffee." And I'm like, "Oh yeah, okay, let's go down and do that." And uh, that was the first time I met you. That was maybe two years ago, three years yeah, ago. I think you're about right. Probably about three years ago. And uh, I was uh, immediately swept up in your enthusiasm and your vision and uh, the fact that your dad was a retired three star general in the Air Force, which uh, I'm former military guy, as you said, Army, but. Um, 
know that how rare it is for a guy to be able to get three stars. Uh, you can accidentally make some some rank in the Army and the Air Force, but you're not going to get three stars mm-hmm. unless you are a great leader and a, a solid dude because you can't make mistakes, or a lot of them, and keep on progressing in your career. And as I've gotten to know your dad, I realized that uh, he's exactly that kind of guy, great mm-hmm. leader. Great addition to F3. I guess it came in through you. Yep. And uh, is he claims he, he claims he was recruited by a then uh, six or seven year old. So my oldest daughter invited ah. him out to F3 Dads one Saturday morning. And ah. That was his first foray into it. He got right. named an F3 Dads workout, which that's, is pretty funny. That's funny. But uh, and as I've gotten to know him, I realized the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. So it's been great uh, to get to know the Jodas family and your two other brothers are part of that. And just uh, typical of the blessing of F3 is we get these incredible community leaders who then turn around and just do stuff nobody told them to do, which is right. what we call I2, individual right. initiative, which is what F3 is built upon this idea of not C3, which is centrally controlled collectivism, somebody in the middle or at the top of some feudal hierarchy telling people what to do, but simply what we try to do is set the table, invigorate uh, male community leadership and see what happens. And and you and your family are perfect, perfect outgrowth of, of what we intended to do from the very start. So it's great to, to kind of come full circle now and be uh, a guest on Put Six. Uh, I'm, I'm glad to see it launching out. Well, incredibly kind words and perspective. You know, what, what's happened, and we're going to talk about it on this show, is this ability to kind of unlock in people, and specifically in this F3 world, this F3 organization, unlock in men um, what they're called to do at times and, and really free them up to go out and do things. And you're right, not always asking for permission to move forward when you've got momentum taking you in a certain uh, direction. So we call you dread in the F3 world for our F3 brethren that are listening. They understand that for those who are listening and, and don't know much about F3, we're going to talk a little bit about how it got started, why it got started. Uh, F3nation.com is where you can always go for a full history. So we call you dread in that world. They call me hello kitty in that world. That's a different story probably for another day. For <laughs> another our day. Listeners, right? Yeah. So, so we want to talk a little bit about that, but I also want to talk a little bit about you. So we're talking about invigorating male community leadership. So we're going to dig into what that means, but I know you're also on this pursuit for virtuous leadership, but first and foremost, Green Beret. So Dave Redding, give us a little bit of history lesson about how that comes to be. Well, I was uh, a kid halfway through college back in the early eighties when uh, President Reagan was building up the military after the seventies and Vietnam and all that. And, um, I couldn't, could no longer finance and my family couldn't finance me to continue on in college. And, uh, nobody, nobody ever in the military in my family. I mean, really, I mean, uh, just not a military family. I was born and raised up North. Uh, and, uh, unlike the exact opposite of your family. So I, uh, happened to be sitting there one day scratching my head in college. How am I going to keep on going? And my roommate had received some postcard from the, local ROTC department that said, you know, if you have a pulse and you need scholarship money, come down. I got you covered. Basically, because this was this huge buildup that was going on in 1982-ish or so, 83-ish. So I take that card, go down the uh, ROTC department, and I walk in and say, I don't know. This is not, obviously not sent to me, but, and they, oh, grab me by the hand, checked if I had a pulse. I did. (laughs) Suddenly I'm in the system. Uh, it seemed like about a month later, I was at Fort Knox going through basic training uh, to make like up- that escalated quickly. <laughs> it really did. And I thought, you know, they'll pay for my last two years of college and I'll own four years in the army and I'll just go find some, you know, nice cushy je- desk job 
and then get out and kind of start my life. And what, lo and behold, I lo- I just love the army, man. And I stayed in nine years and, uh, I found many of the same things that are, that form the underpinnings of why F3 works, but just being part of this camaraderie, this brotherhood, having this sense of purpose, you know, the strength of purpose is really hard to overestimate knowing what you're doing and why. And then this suggestion to you that you should put yourself behind everything else, right? You serve mm-hmm. the unit, right? They just bang it into your head from the very start, you know, that you're third, you know, it's first as a nation, then as your unit, then you're, then, then it's you, it's always service before self. So for me, that was just, I didn't even know it, but I was just starving for that. And, uh, I started volunteering for an increasing level of stupid things. You know, I went to join the infantry instead of just going to be a quartermaster, nothing wrong with quartermaster, but I went to something stupidly hard that I was unsuited for. Yeah. Uh, and then did airborne school and ranger school and ended up going into special forces because I just kept wanting to go deeper into something that was providing me with all this uh, feeling of purpose and, and uniqueness. And I, I just loved it. So I stayed a lot, a lot longer than I uh, intended and ended up doing a lot more than I intended. But I look back at it with no regrets and I'm very happy that uh, I got all those opportunities to do things and meet the men I met. And it developed, uh, developed me into a, a half decent leader. Uh, Cause I don't think I was born that way, but you know, I was in this leadership culture in the military. And uh, that's really what I, when I got out and became a lawyer, I've tried to put that, what I learned to use in the civilian community so that, you know, we can invigorate this community impact. So for me, it's, you know, those three things that you, you and I, that you told me that PUT six is all about service before self strength of purpose and community impact, right. You know, that's kind of the, the whole strain of my military life and then F3. And it's, it's now that you're doing the podcast, man, it just kind of brings it around. There's uh, some interesting takeaways in there, right? So you talk about um, not being born a leader, but it kind of developing in you and, and, and the ability to do that. But to me, it sounds like um, did did having to check yourself, did having to succumb to service before self in this role of having to live for others, do you think that helped process that for you along the way? And then you said like, all of a sudden I get into this thing and I just loved it. Like I, you love being in the army. Right. Right. Yeah, I know it did. I mean, I think that you're kind of raised. I was, I was raised in the seventies and I, I don't think it's all that dissimilar now though. We say it is. You just, it's just, it was, you raised kind of in a self-regarding way, not a selfish way, just to think of yourself, right? Mm-hmm. You think of yourself, how is this going to affect me? You know, that's the way you're raised. That's where you are as a child. You know, and in sports, they kind of get you away from that a little bit, you know, because of teamwork and all that. But it really wasn't until I was in the military that I realized how much of a self-regarding person I was. You know, it it would not necessarily have occurred to me if I had, you know, two jackets and another guy didn't have one for me to say, well, here's an extra jacket you wear. You don't do that in the military. You, You know, that guy dies and then you'll die because you need him. You know, and that that sense of of. Uh, camaraderie like you need each other mm-hmm. you know, that that idea uh i actually think that's how men are hardwired they want that they don't they don't want the other they don't want to be told to put themselves first or a life of ease and comfort they don't really want that right um but i i needed to see it in action to understand what it meant and then i i realized yeah 
that's the way that's the way we're meant to live. I would even argue too that they they don't want to be lone wolves. This idea of oh that guy's a lone wolf, right? He kind of goes by his own accord. I, I don't think that necessarily flies. Yeah, it's a myth. Right, that's a myth. Right, you know, and that you know the the idea that the the chain is as weak or only as strong as its weakest link is exactly the opposite. It's you're a you're the chain is as strong as the strongest man on a given day, because every day you know we. One guy's strong, he has a bad day the next day. You know, every day you're as strong as that strongest guy because you're you're dialed into him. It's kind of like being linked together on a, on a climb on a mountain. Crazy to climb a mountain by yourself, right? Because anybody can fall. But if you have five men linked together and one guy falls, the other four men can catch him. Now, they, next day, there'll be another guy's chance to fall, right? That's really what life looks like. And that's what we've tried to bake into F3, this idea that you're going to have your day where you're falling off the mountain, man. Your crampons fall, whatever, you lose your ice axe, you're sliding down a mountain and you'd be on, you'd be dead if it wasn't for the fact that you're roped into some other men who keep that from happening. The rope gets taut, boom, you regain your footing and you start climbing again and it'll be your turn to save the other guys uh, in, in, in the near future. I want to dig into the mission of F3. Before we do that, though, you talked about going into the army and then all of a sudden kind of being drawn to do the hard things. So along along the process, you must have picked up the six a few times or been picked up as the six throughout that. Any, any memories, any stories you want to share with me about, about seeing that mentality of picking up the six, going back and getting somebody else from those times that helped maybe shape where you went in the second half of your life. Yeah. It's a kind of a dumb little story, but it, I think it answers the question you just asked. So, you know, when I was in ranger school, you have a ranger buddy and they just beat this into you very quickly that you don't go anywhere without your ranger buddy. If they catch you out alone, they punish you. You know, where's your buddy? Ranger, ranger buddy, blah, blah, you know. So uh, they have a break, like one third of the way through, two thirds of the way through where you actually can get away from the place and all that. And uh, they told us when we went on getting ready to go on break, you know, we're exhausted and hungry. You just can't wait to get away from the place to make sure you had your ID card and your dog tags, right? Those two things you had to have. They're going to inspect that. So, People were going to pick us up. We couldn't drive because we were too tired. You know, people were waiting to pick us up. And uh, I think we had eight hours or something. And uh, I had my dog tag and I had my ID card. And uh, we'll wait. We're getting inspected. And guy inspects me. He's like, I put it away. And then three guys down, he stops and goes, where's your ID card, soldier? You know, and guy in the rank, three guys down. I, I can't see who he is. Says, uh, I, I forgot it but I recognize his voice because it's my ranger, but it's your guy. Yeah. My guy. And, uh, I'm like, damn knucklehead. Now he's going to get it. And the next thing out of the ranger instructor's mouth is not, you know, what's going to happen to him, but who's your ranger buddy. Yeah. And he hesitates because he doesn't want to say, and then he's finally said, you're like, like, am I supposed to raise my hand now? Like, like, and then he doesn't say anything. And he goes, who is this man's ranger buddy? And I right. go, that's me, Sergeant. And he looks at me and he says, why in the F does your ranger buddy not have his ID card? Right. And of course, the, the answer is because I only thought of myself. I was in this rush to get out of there. I didn't stop and say to my buddy, do you got it? You right. know, I just didn't do it. I thought of myself. So, of course, they let everybody go but me, you know, and they had this mud pit and they put me in this mud pit and like, I'm like cursing the world. I'm like in this mud pit instead of like eating a steak 
with my girlfriend while my ranger idiot ranger buddies off there, you know, uh, doing what I want to be doing. But I got the message, man. You know, um, you live and die by the men around you. And it should have been my first instinct to make sure he had his mm -hmm. ID card. But it wasn't because I was a 22 year old selfish man, boy, really, in the act of being formed into a man. But I never forgot that experience. Um, and then, you know, we've tried to bake that into F3. I think we've done a good job of that. Most guys get that. And that's where, that's really where the idea of pick up the six comes from. Six being the end of the, the trailing end of the formation, the guy who's last in a workout or whatever in life, a guy who's struggling but trying to keep up is that you don't leave that man behind. Uh, you find a way, you know, and our, our credo in F3 is, we leave no man uh, behind, but we leave no man where we find him. So we we don't leave the six behind, but we also don't go back to him and say, that's okay, man. It's okay to be last. And mm -hmm. we say, hey, man, not pick up the six means go get him. It also means pick it up, right? How can we help you increase your momentum? How can we help you ac accelerate? Mm -hmm. Which those can seem like two conflicting things, but they really aren't. The ethos is that every man matters. Uh, we're not going to leave anybody, any any guy behind, but we're also not going to drop the standard and tell a man a lie, which is you're okay where you are. You know, we're going to we're going to express a standard to that guy about how he should be living his life, and then we're going to try to help him meet that standard because that's what we do. So you co-founded this organization that is built around in the second chapter of your life, plant growing and serving small workout groups for men. Okay, I can pretty much understand what that means. We're going to set up right. a bunch of workouts around the country right. for these guys. But then you talk about invigorating male community leadership. And so what you've done is, and maybe even when you started it, you didn't even think at the beginning it could get to where it's at now, but but you started a workout group that clearly is an affront for a male leadership community, clearly is an affront for, for creating the next male leader in our community. So why just men and why now more than ever? Uh, why just men is is got two parts to it. First of all, it is my wife would not tolerate me exercising with women, and she shouldn't. Uh, so that that wasn't going to happen. I was going to exercise with other people, but I'm I'm not going to work out with women. And if anybody wants to argue that point with me, I'm be more than happy to do it. But I'm probably just going to fall back on this. My wife doesn't want me to, and uh, that's about the size of it. What I found out pretty early on is there's an awful lot of men out there who are in the same boat. Uh, whether their wife will express it or not, it's a different story. Uh, but I don't think most wives are comfortable with their men, their husbands going out and spending all that time in a mixed group like that where they're not participating. So that's that's answer number one for me. That's the personal answer. Uh, what that produced, what I found is, what I suspected, is that men need some period of the day. And for us, it's what, 45 minutes a day uh, during a week and an hour yeah. on the dark 30 as, as right. quickly as you can get it in there. Yep. Where we come together with just men, not any women, not any children, just men. And we do the things and speak the way that men speak when women and children are around. Now you can pick that apart and say, well, you should be the same all the time. You know what? We're not, you know, when it's just men, we speak in a, a, a more direct and harsh and, not unduly harsh, but direct and harsh way. And because that's how men kind of function together. We act differently around women and children, and we should. You know, we should. We should soften our tone. We should be uh, less, uh, less gruff. 
But that doesn't mean we don't need the gruffness, right? That's a big part of it. I mean, the workout I went to this morning here in Charlotte, we had 24 men, probably the youngest guy was 21 or 22, just graduated from college. Uh, and the oldest guy was probably 60. And in between 22 and 60, we had a pretty good range distribution. And we went after each other for 45 minutes. We ended up running four and a half miles, but in between that, did a bunch of boot camp stuff mm -hmm. uh, and gave each other hell because it's fun, you know. And getting that out of your system and and I've heard guys call it adult or male male day camp or something. Yeah, male, recess. Male recess. recess. Male recess. It's like it's mm -hmm. like recess from the rest of your day, right? I mean, you can speak the way you want to speak. You know, you know, the ethic is not be careful so you don't hurt somebody's feelings. It's like don't let your feelings get hurt. Right. Uh, and I think that that provides men with a great pressure relief in our lives because we go around in a day. I'm a lawyer, so I have to be careful. What, what words are very important. Be careful what I say. I'm father of three daughters. So I live with four women. You know, I'm careful what I say. I should be. I need to be. And but having that 45 minutes a day where I can go out and just be what we are uh, is is a tremendous relief. And the funny thing is, uh, Brian, I don't. Very rarely does anybody push back at, at me, at least personally, about this. Every once in a while, somebody's like, well, you guys are misogynists. I'm like, if misogyny means what I think it is, it's just we hate women. Exact with the exact opposite. You know, we're doing this so we can better serve our wives and our, our daughters. At least that, that's my belief. And mm -hmm. I think most guys feel the same exact way. So in doing that, right, in, in, in starting this organization, in building this small, at the time, organization based out of Charlotte, North Carolina, that then begins to travel around the state and travel around the region and then around the country. As we check in on it today, the talk around F3 Nation is it's somewhere in the neighborhood of 40,000 men that have been reached throughout this. Yeah. And clearly that shows that and we're going to talk to our FIA counterparts. So these are females in action. This is the counterpart to F3, the female version of that coming up here in the next week or so. We're going to talk to their founder as well to get a juxtaposition, compare the groups, but also talk about the differences. But what's happened is you've created these communities inside these communities for these men to, one, first of all, get their fitness in line. And what you probably found was guys get to a certain stage where things start to, to fall off the table a little bit. And it's pretty easy to let that fitness slide. But yep. if you're not taking care of yourself physically, how are you to take care of other things in your life? So why does it start there? Yeah, so it is that we, we call uh, what we call the king in F3. We got a name for everything is, is the daily discipline of physically training your body. And uh, from our perspective, our, our philosophy, our, our viewpoint is that if you are physically your physical plant, your flesh is not becoming more fit in slowly, small ways every day that the rest of the stuff doesn't hang together. You know, and for me, that's less of a theory than just a set of observations, right? So people ask me, where does that theory come from? I was like, yeah, it's backwards. It's not really, I think we didn't cook that up in a lab and go out and experiment and see if it's true. We just observed what we saw. It all started happening, and then you're like, we're going to call it this. It's going to be. Yeah, right. Everything we've done is backwards. You know, we see something happening. It works. We adopt it. We name it, whatever. We extol it, you know, and we try to find a way to articulate it. Things that don't work, we are happy to be able to take that off the list, you know. So for us, that the, the, what we call the first F, fitness, which has the three components are king. That's the physical training 
queen and that's the, the what you put in your mouth and gesture that's fighting off those temptations mm-hmm. of the flesh that bedevil manhood i mean for us that first f fitness consistent fitness you know having control over your flesh sets the tone for everything else and comes first and you know people push back we're not a religious organization but we have a faith component they say well faith should be first and it's I said, yeah, I agree kind of philosophically, but I don't agree observationally, right? It makes perfect sense what you're saying, but as a practical matter, it doesn't work. And what for what we do, we have guys come out to the workout. That's the magnet, first F, to get fit. And the second F is fit as fellowship. That's the glue. So they get out there and they're like, oh, okay, well, all these guys, I want to be around these guys. Then they're stuck with us, right? Sticky. Because mm-hmm. we have great recidivism. If you come, you come again. Third F, faith, and that's just a belief in something outside yourself. That's where the sense of purpose comes out and the impact comes out. Because once you're fit and friended, then you can stop thinking about yourself. You know, you can stop being so self regarding. You're like, hey, man, I'm in good shape. I got people who love me. I'm around with the guys. I'm, things are going. Now I can start thinking about the outer world. What can I do? And then before you know it, you got things like putt six coming out of nowhere, man. That's what happens. So let's go back into the fellowship piece because I want to tackle all three, right? And so great explanation on the fitness part. You get to a um, you get to a time in your life, potentially as a man, where you look around and and you've got to take stock of all right, where am I? Where am I in my in my fitness level? And then what is what do my relationships look like, right? What right. where am I relational? Right. What does my relationship with with my family look like? My wife, my children, and then where am I at for for other counterparts, for other male counterparts that can provide for me not just someone to lean on, but someone to push back on right. me as well. And, and people say I need accountability. I need accountability to do this and that. So what you then observed and essentially put forward was a, a way for men to get together and yeah, share in a shared experience this workout, but then from there to go deeper and and to develop real relationship and bonds. Let me tell you what retired Lieutenant General Ralph Jodas had to say about it after a workout once. He said, I've not seen this level of camaraderie in a group of men since I commanded a fighter squadron. I was pretty blown away. Yeah, that's, that. that's, 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 that's so high praise. Yeah, because yeah. that's, you know, creme de la creme of our, you know, of our fighting men and women are people that can get into a fighter squadron. I mean, Flying an F-16, it's pretty it's no joke, spot, right? right? No joke. So, and that level of esprit de corps and camaraderie mm-hmm. and sense of purpose is at its at its highest level. So, it's odd that this what we've kind of removed from the military life. That's what we did. As it just took the the physical training part, which in the, in the army we do physical training every morning, particularly in special forces, and. Uh, that was kind of the integral thing that held the teams together. You had a 12 man team and uh, that first hour of the day where you went and you, you beat your bodies up and challenged each other physically. That's what caused the, that's what caused the bonds. And, you know, the teams that were in the best physical shape were usually the teams that were the most productive and, Mm -hmm. you know, that did the jobs the best. That was my observation. And the leaders of the teams who were the most dedicated to fitness were the ones who usually had the teams who were the most fit. It's not surprising, right? You know, because I wasn't a heck of a great soldier by any stretch of imagination, but I I realized early on that the one thing I could always consistently influence was the fitness of whatever unit that I was in charge of. Well, I was a platoon leader, team leader, whatever it was. I mean, it didn't take anything extra to, to 
you know, skill or anything like that to be good at, to be in good shape and to push your guys. And if you did that, you got all these downstream effects. And the inverse being true, guys were kind of lazy or soft. Their teams were lazy and soft. And, uh, you know, you can see it now in our little groups of guys. It's like my daughters will say they can tell. They try to steer me away from talking to men because they're like, we'll never get out of here. But they're like, if I see an old skinny guy, you know, coming up, she's like, get him away. That that dude's going to talk to daddy. It's funny how they say that. They can spot an F3 guy a mile away. Uh, we're to the point now where as we're driving around town and I have my kids in the back seat. mine are much younger than yours. They're nine and five, but I have two girls. So part of that all girl club, yep. if they see a man running on the street, first they ask if dad knows him, do you know that guy now? Yep. And then when we're just out in public and I start talking to people, they want to know if I know him or you're recruiting that guy That's to right. come join yeah. this right. thing that we've got. But, but what that shows is what that fellowship has meant, what that relationship has meant uh, for these guys to be able to do that. So let me guess, I mean, you got to be checking uh, guys, political affiliations, when they show up, there's got to be some prerequisite, right, for these right. men to show up and be a part of this group? Yeah, that's that's funny. Now, you know, all men, right? F3 is, that's one of our core principles, open to any man. Uh, and, you know, we're not checking too hard about what that means. You show up and you say you're a man and you are, you are with us. Uh, and we keep that simple. Don't care what your faith is. Don't care if you have any faith. We're going to try to convince you to, to let go of your faith in yourself mm -hmm. because it doesn't work, but you probably wouldn't be there if you weren't already motivated to do that. Um, we can have hard conversations um, about, about anything, but in F3, there is no ideal man. Every once in a while I hear a guy say that. It's like, oh, that's, that's not a, you know, that's not an F3 kind of candidate for political officer. F3. Mm -hmm. It's like no such thing, man. I mean, if this thing can help any organization, as long as that, you know, to me, something I don't, I don't agree with whatsoever, although it's not bad, you know, it's, it's something I just don't happen to agree with. If it invigorates that, that organization makes it do its job better, then I'm all for it. So hopefully we're one organization that can cut across political divides and religious divides and, you know, racial divides. That's what we hope for. We just want to be that once one place where any man can go find other like-minded men in the sense that they care about their fitness, their fellowship and the faith and connect up with them for 45 minutes to an hour a day to get that sense of togetherness and camaraderie that comes from it. I want to get your opinion on what's missing in public discourse, because I think quite frankly, we see it on a daily basis at F3 workouts and post F3 when men are communicating with each other, because we can see men disagree with each other. We should not be disagreeable. I want to talk sure. about public discourse, but before that, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention just the impact that this one organization has had across our, our globe, not just across our country. F3 men have launched into Chimbote, Peru and rebuilt houses. F3 men have been there for disaster relief when hurricanes or, torna or tor tornadoes have hit. So when you stand up this men men's fitness group 10 years ago, how amazed are you at the level of community impact that has now been generated from this thing? Even though that's our mission um, and has always been our intent every day, I'm completely astounded at how far reaching it is. And uh, it's just, it's been a great blessing to watch it happen. So, and I want to make sure I'd stress this. It's, we have a shared leadership model. So while uh, I was one of the founders, 
Uh, I'm certainly not the prime mover of anything. Um, we are very decentralized. Every, what we call region has its own leadership. There's very little, we almost nothing we tell them to do. We just have this model that works and they're free to replicate it as long as they, you know, kind of stay within these really broad guidelines. Basically, welcome every man, stay outdoors so nobody has to pay for anything. Lead it from within. Don't like don't hire personal trainers and get together at the end of it and, you know, uh, recognize each other, you know, that you're at the workout. You know, what is there beyond that? I mean, that's it. I mean, it, it's so simple in its in its uh, application that you almost can't screw it up. Um, and I mean, that's what makes it work, right? That's what makes so, it work. So yeah. I, I, what I would encourage men that are listening, if your ears are perked up and if you had not heard about it until today, get at me, right? So you guys have access to all of my information from listening to this show. You can find you can find me at pickupthesix.com. You can find me on Twitter at Brian Jodis. Uh, and you can also search f3nation.com and you can get all the info that you need there and dig into this. Uh, ladies, if you're listening, it sounds like something you might be interested in for your husband, for him to check out, please get with us as well. And then also stay tuned for the episode that we're going to have Amy Peacock on to talk about FIA, which is the female counterpart to F3. Public discourse today. We can disagree, but we can't be disagreeable. From your standpoint, Dave, having seen these things through the military, having become a lawyer, having developed this leadership development process out through F3, what is missing in this world of ours today? Uh, I, I think we've become too separated physically. I mean, to me, it's proximity. Mm -hmm. um, and it it's, COVID hasn't helped. COVID's accelerated that process. Like you're sitting right. in your room, in your house watching TV getting madder and madder, you know, and you're not around other people, it's very difficult to maintain a, a high degree of anger or resentment towards somebody who, with whom you are sharing chaos and pain. And that's what we do in F3, right? It's 45 minutes of chaos and pain. Guy right next to you may completely disagree with you. You may be mad at him about something, but you're going through the same mud hole. You're running through the same rain. You're shivering through the same, you know, cold morning. And at the end of it, you're sitting in a circle with the guy and all that stuff that seemed to matter doesn't matter at kind all. Kind of melts away a little bit. Just melts away. Or if anything, you at least just bring the temperature down on it. Yeah, that's right. You might still go back to the point that right. well, if we were debating something, we still might disagree right. in the ultimate outcome or how we get there, but at least it brings it down. Right. right. In a sense that we can, you know, the key to, to, to me towards argument, capital A, juxtaposition of opposing ideas with, you know, to the point of learning is that you uh, are able to argue on the points, the subtle points, not attack each other personally. So, I mean, and I think it helps that, you know, you say, man, I disagree with your point about this. Not, you know, I think you're an idiot for having that point of view. It's really hard to call me an idiot. It was right there with you. Right. Right. So I think it's, it's helpful in that sense. I, hope yeah, so. I, I agree. You know, I tend to also look at it from the vein of, you know, social media can be such a blessing and also a curse for us. Clearly, it's a way to connect with people that we can't be proximate with, but it also pushes us away from proximity, which it's kind of the damnedest thing if you think about it from that right. sense. Right. What it also does is it provides you a platform to to type something up and hit it real quick versus, but what if I was face to face with this person? And again, the beauty of the proximity that this organization that you founded has is it gets men proximate with each other on a daily basis. They can right. get you out of your house, out of your comfort zone, right. doing things you probably thought you'd never do in your life. 
and it pushes you to to think outside the box a little bit. I mean, picture if the uh, the, the Democrats and the Republicans in Congress would Are boot camping together in the morning. Would each select ten people and say, "Ah, oh, you you got to boot camp together in the morning." I mean, picture what that would do. I mean, I think it would work. You know, I mean, when when I was in the army, we you know. You're always bad, like the lower headquarters is battling. It's a higher headquarters. You know, you got all the stress. And, uh, you know, some commanders would intentionally go to the, you know, because each unit does its own PT, but they would go to the PT unit of the, of the being led by the lower headquarters. Just show up, you know, and it gives you a whole different feeling about the guy. You know, it's like, you know, uh, I'm mad at this guy over the phone and I'm mad at this guy when he's sending me a memo or something or, you know, whatever. But heck, we just ran five miles together. <laughs> You know, and then while you're doing it, you know, there's something to be able to, it's a lot easier to communicate when you're running alongside a guy, you can have a much deeper conversation about hard things than, than you can when you're facing them. I don't know why that is, but it, it, it really works. Um, and it, it'd be great to see our political leaders try something like that, but I'm not holding my breath, but maybe if we get enough F3 guys out there, you know, we got a couple. You know, we have judges and we have some, mm-hmm. you know, people in legislatures and every once in a while, you know, uh, well, Amy Peacock's wife, Edwin yep. Peacock, uh, is a longstanding local uh, Charlotte politician who was on the city council and ran for mayor. And, you know, he's brought, he's a Republican, he's brought several Democrats out. Some of them stuck it out. He had the mayor, mayor of Charlotte out here one day and uh, it was, it was a funny day, but you know, that that's what we did. It's beautiful, man. Before we let you go, and and let me just take a moment and and offer up just some gratitude for this idea that becomes this amazing thing. And and you know, and you guys will hear me as we do shows that relate to F three and shows that don't. We've got a lot of content that will be on this podcast channel to where we won't even talk about this at all. But you'll hear me interweave it because it's become such a big part of my life, and it took me from a completely self centered husband and parent to work in every day to be less of that. It, it yeah. doesn't happen overnight, right? It's a constant, it's a constant journey and it's a constant uh, bit of work, but it's working every day to be more serving, more servium to those around. Tell me a little bit about the collision learner before we wrap up and, and what you're, what you're doing there. Cause I think our listeners are going to want to go check it out. So tell me a little bit about that, which is maybe chapter three now. In the, yeah. Uh, well, in the yeah, that's just the, uh, Another way I'm trying to serve, you know, now that I've stepped down from being the uh, CEO of F3, I wanted to uh, still continue to to share some of the leadership things I've learned. And uh, collision learning to me is learning, you know, through adversity and argument, you know, and pain, right? And that's the way I learn best. Yep. You know, I'm not a very good uh, scholastic learner, like a didactic learner. I don't do that well sitting in a classroom. But I do great for whatever reason, having my face smashed against a wall. So that's this kind of idea of learning through failure and adversity and pain. That that's what the collision learn is all about. So um, it's right now it's a website, uh, and I think we're going to expand it out to a little bit of a podcast. Beautiful. And, uh, try to get some of these ideas out and see where it goes. So that's a, a maybe an alternative leadership theory to most leadership theories. It's going to be the same basic principles, but a, a, a different way to learn it. Not, not that there's anything unique about mm-hmm. what, what we believe our, our principles are, just how you come about learning them. You know, like in F3, one of our way we teach leadership is to do a, a grow a training exercise, a GTE, and you've seen those happen. 
basically it's, you know, 36 hours of intense pain and chaos and failure (laughs) and failure and, uh, and adversity. And that is a way to learn, you know, and, uh, that's, you know, we're, we've, we've gotten that program, uh, to be very vital to, to F3. And I think at some point seeing it maybe leach out into the civilian community, you know, and maybe, maybe some legislatures or whatever, some Mm -hmm. folks are looking for a different way. Maybe a little bit more of that. Yeah, it's kind of like a trust fall on steroids, I guess. So that's the idea of uh, the basic underlying idea of collision learner, and we'll see where it goes, man. Well, it, hammers, it, goes. it hammers home the idea that uh, that either collision, friction, suffering, th- these things will produce right the fruit. They they will produce they'll produce the the results. That you've you've coined a phrase, goo nation, that would tell you that we just want instant results yeah. without really having to do the work, without having to have happy, the friction. Right? Be happy. Right? right. No, be joy. If you seek joy, if you live a joyful life, happiness is a fleeting moment that can be taken right. away from you in an instant. Joyfulness is a full encompassing way That's to right. be able to do it. Right. So, but without that suffering, because I know that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character, grit, right. and that produces hope. And I know that I believe that, then I got to have some of that hard stuff on the front end. If I'm going to get to that hope on the back end, it's got to be there. Right. The weird part of that particular scripture is it says we glory in it. We also glory in we our rejoice suffering. in our suffering. To me, that's, that's an awesome way to look at it. Right? So you find yourself staring up at you know, some piece of adversity, right? You're like, man, this is going to be painful. You can take solace in knowing that when you reach the, the top of that, you breach that obstacle that what you'll be on the other side is not only clear of it, but also a more durable man and a better leader. And it makes it worthwhile. You know, it all means something. And I think poignant to our conversation today as two men sitting here, I want to look at that hard thing. I want to look at that suffering. And I want to say, for me, thank you, God, for placing that in front of me. Because I know that as I go through that hard thing, I know as I, as I run these 10, 11, 12, 13 mile training days, they're only going to build up in me that endurance. So when I get to that ultimate race day, I've got that built up and then my character takes over and then I'm just, I'm having fun with this whole thing. Right. Right. And so it's, I think it's living that Dave, thank you so much for creating F3 for, for creating a place for these men to to unlock in them uh, these ideas and, and this shared leadership. And thanks so much for continuing to lead on it. Honored, brother. I'm very glad you're with us. And uh, I'm very honored to be on this. Uh, and one of the very first few episodes. You're in the first wave, this. my friend. You were in the yeah, first, first wave. wave. I'm a f- first, wave. first wave. First wave. He's Dave Redding. I'm Brian Jodis. This has been Pick Up the Six Podcast. Hi. Right.